We are in the Advent season where we as the church, and I don't just mean Antioch, Dallas, but I mean Jesus' church around the world and throughout history, where we celebrate his incarnation, that he came, uh, that God put skin on and came and lived amongst us, and Advent is looking forward to and longing for the return of Christ. I shared with you last week that it's this season, Advent, that's the beginning of the church calendar. For most of us, we're familiar with our calendar beginning in January with a new year and a new start. But for the church, and what I want to lead you into is our new year begins right now in this season of longing for and looking for the return of Christ. And as we do that, that positions us and prepares our hearts for all that God has for us in the coming year. Last week, we looked at one of the reasons why we long for Jesus to return, why we look to his return, is the hope of heaven. We learn that heaven is going to be an amazing place. It's going to be a lot like this earth, new heaven and new earth, but it's going to be a place of profound beauty. It's going to be a place of flourishing. It's going to be a place of life. It's going to be a place where the fullness of life is experienced, and it's what God wants for you. He wants you to be there and to be a part of that. And we're going to learn today the second reason why we long for Christ's return is because of the peace that it brings. We long for Christ's return because in heaven there is peace. And the peace of heaven is something to look forward to and draw life and joy and grace from. We long for the return of Christ because it brings peace. And I don't think I have to convince anyone here uh, in the sanctuary today that we all could say we could use more peace in our lives. And so we're going to learn today about how heaven uh, is filled with peace and how it gives us peace. And as we look to and long for Christ's return, that we are looking to the peace of heaven. Next week, I want to make you aware we have a special guest with us. Uh, Pastor Jimmy Seibert is going to be here. He is the founding pastor of the Antioch Movement of Churches, and he and his wife, Laura, have spent the last 30 years investing in people and hoping to inspire people for a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. And their discipleship school from Antioch Waco is going to be doing an outreach here next weekend. And then Jimmy will be with us on Sunday morning. Uh, if you know him or have heard him speak at World Mandate or have gotten to know him, over the years, I don't have to tell you why you'd want to come next week. Uh, if you don't know him, man, next week will be a very special week as we hear from one of our kind of fathers in the faith just come and speak into our lives. So really excited about that. Uh, when you look forward a little bit in the calendar in your mind, we're coming up to Christmas. I want to remind you that we'll have a Christmas Eve service, December the 24th at 5 p.m., We'll have a service to celebrate uh, Christmas Eve. I love it. We'll do candles. It'll be awesome. And then the following week, the last Sunday of the year, we have our annual Selah Sunday. Selah means we stop, we pause, we reflect on all that God's done, and we don't hold a formal worship service. That Sunday gives us to, an opportunity to give our volunteers a break and we just take time to reflect on the goodness of God. And then we'll be back in the beginning of January seeking the Lord. We're going to go into a time of prayer and fasting as a church as we kick off 2020 and seeking the Lord, building up to world mandate uh, at the beginning of February, our annual missions conference. And today is the last day of the early bird registration. So if you want to save a little money on the conference, make sure your kids get in. 
you can go ahead and sign up today. Uh, my family and I will be jumping on the early bird today. We're procrastinators, but not that much. So it's like last minute, we're in. I'll be there. Um, okay. You know that all of that ties into, though, our larger kind of spiritual growth initiative for 2019 and into 2020, this school year, which we're calling Prepare the Feast. And the idea behind the feast, uh, behind Prepare the Feast is this. We hope that everyone at Antioch Dallas over the course of this year grows in knowing your spiritual gifts. We believe that God has gifted each one of you, that he's planted strengths and talents in your life that are for his glory. And we want to help all of us come to know and grow in knowing our spiritual gifts. We want to challenge each one of us to invest on a serve team, to take those gifts and not just use them for ourselves, but to use them for God's glory by serving people. Our serve teams are our ministry teams. When we come together with our serve teams, using our spiritual gifts, that's the third goal that we have, is that everyone would be a part of using their gifts on a serve team, on mission for our city. We believe that when that happens, when your gift of hospitality and your gift of leadership and your gift of mercy and your gift of teaching and all those different gifts, your prophetic gift, when all those things come together and God brings his people together and we say yes to that and we come with a heart to serve, not just to serve ourselves or serve the people of our church, but to serve our city, it creates an environment where the Holy Spirit moves in power. It creates a transformational environment here on Sunday mornings, but also in neighborhoods throughout our city as we see Jesus on display, this Jesus that we know and we love. We see him reveal himself to others through his people like you and me. And so we're going to be focusing on that, as I've been saying, over the course of this school year. I want to challenge you, if you have not taken a step in that, to take a step uh, we have it on our homepage of our website, ways to kind of take a step forward. But I wanted to share with you a testimony today of someone who's jumped in on this. A few weeks ago, I shared with you a testimony from our security guard of how Prepare the Feast has impacted him, is impacting people in and around our facility. This is how it's actually impacted a member of our church. Because serving is about other people. But while we serve, God impacts our lives, and he grows us, and he builds us as we serve. So I want to read to you this testimony. <clears throat> this is from someone, a parent, who's been serving in Antioch Kids, and this is what she said. She said, serving in Antioch Kids has been so encouraging as a parent. Watching Ellen, our children's pastor, interact with the kids on Sundays has given me new tools as a parent. We've borrowed her check-in phrase in our home, and I use uh, the kids' classrooms at our, uh, the kids' rules for the classrooms at our home and in my classroom, knowing that the goal of Antioch Kids is no child left behind. This makes me feel like I've locked arms with the right community, people who are committed to praying for my kids and seeing them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Parents, we are not alone. Sunday mornings, your kids are in their own little life groups, essentially, and it's a beautiful thing to see. They're worshiping with their peers. They're encouraging one another. They're hearing God's word, and they're praying together, and it's an honor to be a part of it. Spend one Sunday morning with Ellen and the kids' team, and tell me if you're not encouraged to go home and to be a better parent. I dare you. That's a powerful story. That's a powerful testimony of someone saying, Hey, I'm going to step up and serve in this way. I have a passion 
for kids. I'm gifted in this area. And as they're doing it, God's equipping them and envisioning them for everyday life. That's amazing. I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing, and I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do as we journey forward in this, and I would love for you to be a part. As I stand and greet out the door each Sunday morning, man, I'm just overwhelmed with love for for y'all. Like, I love y'all, and I want this for you to get to be a part of the way that God's wired you and to be on mission with him for a purpose greater than just our own individual lives. I'm so excited. So many of you jumped in, and I'd love for everybody to do that as we go this year. Okay, we're going to get into the scriptures today. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 21. That's towards the back of your Bible. I'd encourage you to take out your Bible. You can take it from the seat underneath you. If you didn't bring a Bible, take it out on your phone. We want to be people who go to God's Word. Uh, If you're a note taker, pull out your notes. Get ready because we're going to jump in and the Lord is going to speak to us today. We've been looking at heaven, and I realize that there is a tension with this topic. I realize that when we talk about heaven, uh, if you're anything like me, you know it's important. Like, you know it's it's a big box, eternity. Like, that's a long time. That's a big box, right? That's important. Uh, We know the topic of, let's see, hell. Ooh, I know I don't want to go there. I don't think you want to go there, right? We know that's a big deal. And we know heaven is a big deal. And as we're learning, it's a beautiful place. It's a place that you and I want to be a part of. But for most of us, right, it kind of seems a little bit on the back burner. I have this shed on the side of our house uh, that is kind of where everything that we know is important, but we don't know what to do with, gets stuffed in there. And I'm in charge of the shed, and I put stuff in there in order of how I think it's going to be used. So if it's never going to be used, it makes its way toward the back, or if it's going to be every once in a while. And things like the lawnmower are at the front, right? I can, if I'm honest, I feel like for many of us, uh, we could relate to these feel like big boxes, Nope, I won't knock over that. These feel like big boxes, but they're, they're kind of at the back of the shed of our life, so to speak, because we've got some other things going on. Oh, my emotions. This is something that is going to affect me today. I'm a feeler on the thinker-feeler spectrum. I'm a feeler 150%. The things that I feel are not always the healthiest emotions. I can feel discouraged. I can feel depressed. I can feel anxious. I can feel angry. I feel these things very, very strongly. So if I'm honest, so much of my week is just consumed with trying to manage my emotions. All my feelers in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You thinkers, you can analyze us. That's okay. Other things that we've got, relationships. For me, I have kids and a wife and coworkers, and neighbors, and family, and those relationships are always moving. They're they're challenging, and they're great, and they're just all over the place at times, and so I've got that box, and that really affects me, Uh, and it kind of has a mind of its own sometimes. And then, ooh, I have a job, you have a job, right? And sometimes we can lose sight of this because we're like, man, Wednesday, 
I have this huge presentation. My supervisor is flying in. There's a lot riding on this. I'm really focused on this, so I know this is important, Zach, but, but, but this is on top of my mind today, and I hear you. Then another one. Oh, yeah, especially at this time of year, money, right? We got my finances. We got our budget. You got all that kind of stuff that you're trying to balance. You have unexpected things that come your way. You know, so these feel pretty precarious. They feel pretty like up close and personal, like these are at the front of my shed affecting my daily life. And sometimes, you know, this can be like, man, I know I need help with today, and this takes a lot of energy to try and get these in a good place where they're at least stable, okay? And so we look at heaven and hell and eternity, and we're like, man, that is nice. I'll think about that someday, but today... Most of my bandwidth is going to be spent in these boxes. And you might add or subtract a couple for you based on your situation. But I think we can probably all relate to here's where the focus is, right? So I want to share a little uh, thought that I've had. This is, this is a personal thing for me. I'm going to scoot this over here. And hopefully keep it standing. Okay. So earlier this fall, uh, one day I was spending time with the Lord, and I was reading in my Bible uh, from Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to put the scripture up on the screen. And I've probably read this scripture, I mean, a hundred times, but it just, the Holy Spirit just popped it out at me, and it was just like, wow, it was highlighted to me. So I highlighted it for you today. And this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Colossae and saying, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people. Now get this, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven. So Paul is talking to this church and he's speaking in their lives and he's encouraging them. And he's saying, hey, I've noticed your faith and your love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And I was like, man, I know that I need more faith for the challenges of life. And I know I could be more loving. I'm always trying to grow in being loving. And here, Scripture is telling me that there can be growth in faith. There can be resource for faith for my daily life. There can be resource for love for the people in my life that I could be more loving if I connected more with a hope stored up for me in heaven. And I just sat with that for a minute. I was like, I haven't really thought that much about heaven. But here it seems to say the more that I can connect with that, that it gives me the resources that I need for these boxes today. And that kind of makes sense. Like if I were to come to you after the service and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I bought you and a friend a round trip ticket, a trip that's going to leave today at five. You need to go home and pack. You'd be really excited. You'd wondered if I was joking, but if I was really serious, you'd go home and pack. But if I didn't tell you the destination, right, if it's just kind of like, hey, it's going to be a surprise, just show up at Love Field at, you know, 4 o'clock, and I'm going to give it to you then, right? You go home, and you're trying to get your suitcases out, and you're thinking, man, we could be going to a place like the beach, so I got to get my bathing suit, I got to find my sunscreen, my flip-flops, my sunglasses, kind of all of that stuff, my flamingo shirt, I need that in there. Uh, or, or maybe we're going to go to someplace cold, like maybe we're going to go to Iceland or Colorado or something where it's just going to be cold. So I, maybe we're going skiing. 
well, I need to make sure I have my ski boots and, and I need to call this friend for if they have ski pants because mine are too small now. And all, all these things, right? You start just going through that if you didn't know where you're going. But if I told you, hey, I've got you a trip. You're going to Cancun today at 5. You would say thank you. You would go home. You'd know exactly what to pack. You know, it doesn't matter about my parka today. It doesn't matter if my ski pants fit. It doesn't matter if my sweater is clean and looks nice. I'm looking for my bathing suit. That's about all that matters. I'm looking for, you know, that flamingo shirt. That's what I want. I'm looking for my flip-flops. That's what I'm doing, right? It gives you clarity when you know your destination. Our destination, where we're going, radically influences what's important today. And so when, when we actually counterintuitively look a little bit at what's in front of us and where we're going, it gives stability and clarity and solidity to all these things that you and I are going to face as soon as we leave here and all throughout our week. Does that make sense? Our destination, where we're going, radically influences our daily lives. And we're going to talk more about that today. I'm going to push these boxes off a little bit to the side, and we'll come back to them in just a moment. So last week we learned how heaven gives us hope, that there's hope for us in heaven. This week we're learning about the peace of heaven. And that waiting for Christ to return, when he returns, is going to be, heaven is going to be a place of great peace. That's what we're learning about today. Now, when I say the word peace, I think most of us, we think of kind of a state of mind of being relaxed. Like if I said, hey, you are going to Cancun and you're going to go sit on the beach for a couple days and just sun, waves, you, nothing to do, I'm going to be so relaxed. When I say peace, most of us think a feeling, right? This tranquil feeling. And when we pray for peace, we're hoping that that feeling somehow comes over all the stress that we feel in all of these boxes and kind of makes it, makes it better. When we go to God's word, scripture has a much more robust concept of peace. And as we start to talk about the peace of heaven, we have to understand what the Bible means when it uses the word peace, what scripture is talking about when it's talking about peace, because it's talking about something way more robust than just a feeling of being tranquil. So I want to show you a video from the Bible Project on peace, and we're going to watch a short video that explains what scripture means when we talk about peace. That's the biblical idea of peace, and that's so exciting. It's like so beautiful that when we're talking about peace, it is something of wholeness, something of completeness, something of things being set right and at peace. And we're going to see in heaven that heaven is marked by this wholeness, by this rightness, by being this place of peace. So look in Revelation 21, starting in verse 4. And we're going to see some of the descriptors of this heavenly peace. Uh, we're going to read verse 4 to verse 8. It says, He, being Jesus, will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So let's start out as we look at the peace of heaven, focusing in on verse 4 where it says that the Lord there is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Sometimes the reason why you and I, we feel so much lack of peace is because of the pain of our lives, because of the things that we've been through, because of the ways people have hurt us. And so we carry this anxiety and this fear and this pain that steals our peace and robs our peace. And what I want you to see in heaven is that the Lord is going to come in and he is going to heal and restore and he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Imagine a compassionate father reaching down to their child and wiping away the tears as they comfort them. He's going to remove death and he's going to remove sadness and mourning and pain. Those things are going to pass away. They no longer exist in this place of peace. These actually are all of the symptoms for things that break peace in our lives. And what we're seeing here is that the Lord is going to heal The symptoms, later we're going to look at it, he's also going to heal the root or the cause of lack of peace, but this is going to be a place of healing, of comfort, of being known and being safe. It's not going to be a place of sorrow. It's not going to be a place of death. This is a place of wholeness and completeness. In verse 6, He says, it is done, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Another reason why we lack peace is because we can be so afraid and feel uh, uncertain and lack of security about the future. As a kid, my house got broken into a lot. We lived in a neighborhood where it just happened. We got broken into over and over and over again. And even though we later moved as a teenager, I remember at night just having so much anxiety as I would try and go to sleep because I just had the memories of our house being broken into again and again and again. And I wasn't much of a prayer, didn't know the Lord, uh, but I would just pray before I went to bed and I'd be like, God, please protect my house. And I would envision this like alarm system, like cloaking my house from the bad guys. And if I forgot to pray, And I realized I forgot to pray. I was certain that that alarm system was no longer there and we were at risk. I was just so terrified about the lack of security. And so many of us, we don't feel peace because we do not feel secure 
about our future, that there are things in our lives, either from our past or that we're looking to, that make us feel like we are not safe. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. And what I want to show you here is that in heaven, the Lord is the alpha. He's the beginning. He's behind you. And he's the omega. He's the end. He's in front of you. You're covered and you're safe. It is a place of safety and security so that people may be at peace. He is our beginning and he is there in the end. In verse 6, it says, To the thirsty, Jesus will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Another reason that I think we can struggle with not feeling any peace is because we can feel like we don't have what we need in order to be able to thrive. In order to be everything that we think we should be or grow to be or, or, or be able to do, and we don't feel like we have those resources, either we didn't get them from our parents or from our coaches or our boss at work, they're just not seeing what's really, I'm not getting those opportunities. And so we can feel so frustrated with life and we can grow bitter that things do not work out like we thought. And so we feel lack of peace. We feel anxious. We feel churning. We feel just this angst within us. What I want to show you here is that in heaven that there's peace because there the Lord gives to everyone the water of life. And as we learned last week, that water of life causes plants to be fruitful and fertile and bear an abundant harvest like the video we watched last week. And what we see is that's not just limited to plants. That's also about people. That's also about us. That as we take of the water of life, we're going to be satisfied and we're going to be resourced and we're going to grow and be all that God created you to be. Heaven is not a place where your potential is untapped. It is a place where God is nurturing you and bringing out the gold from within you. It's a place of peace. Uh, Verse 7, it says, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Another reason that we can feel lack of peace is because we feel alone. I remember my freshman year, first semester of college, I, I don't say this for you to feel sorry for me. I just try and say is I think I ate 98% of my meals alone. I know what it feels like to be alone. And when you feel that heavy weight of loneliness... Where you feel like, man, I don't belong here. I don't know anybody here. This is just, I guess, the rest of my life. I'm just going to be alone. That is an overwhelming feeling. That is not a place of peace. That is a place of darkness and despair. Evidently, uh, in Britain, loneliness has become such an ep epidemic. They have established like a, a part of the government to try and solve the problem of loneliness in our nation. That it's in, in Britain, but also in America, it's killing people. Right? You may be here today, and you may just feel like, I feel so alone. What I want you to see is that in heaven, God is there, and you are a part of his family. That you're not alone. That heaven is a place of safety because you're placed within this loving, grace-filled, whole family. Where you can be known, and you can know. Where there's a present father who is there engaging with you and a family around you. Heaven is a place of peace because it's there that we're not alone. Verse 8, 
But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning. This is the second death. All of these things listed, which could fall under the broader category of sin, are things that break peace. These are the things that break wholeness. These are the things that rob. These are the things that destroy. These are the things that stain and ruin and cripple. These are the things that steal the peace that God desires for his people. And so what we see in heaven is not only does the Lord come and heal the symptoms of not feeling peaceful, but he comes and he removes the root causes. He removes the things that break and steal peace. God stands against those things. He stands against everything which seeks to break peace and wholeness that comes under his rule and his reign. And he removes them because he says, this is not what is going to be in my place with my people. It is going to be a place of peace. So we long for the return of Christ because of the peace that it brings so now let's get practical. How do those things impact these boxes? Like how does that solidity actually come together? I want to start with a box of emotions. So when you realize that peace is not just a feeling that you're hoping for, but when you realize because of this, peace is a person and his name is Jesus. And peace is a destination. And it's where God is leading you. That God is leading you to a place of wholeness. You finally have firm footing to be able to navigate the emotional complexities of our life. You have access to the resource of peace. So when my daughter comes and she says, I'm afraid, I don't feel peaceful, I'm like Sparrow. The Lord, he has given you all the peace that you need. It is deposited into your bank account. And I want to teach you how to draw on that peace into your emotional life. And I've done this so many times in my own life. I was doing it yesterday even. Just focusing on heaven, focusing on Jesus as my peace, and letting that sift through and sort my emotions and shape me and even change my emotional chemistry because it gives me access to the peace that I need. And I'm not just trying to fight through the wind and the waves or whatever I'm feeling in the moment, but it gives me an anchor for the will, for all the things that I can go through and you can go through, through meditating and focusing on heaven and the peace that is the person of Jesus Christ. Relationships. Oh, man, this is such a place where we can be robbed so often of peace, right? Because it's two sinful people trying to work things out. And so whether it's your, your marriage or it's your roommates or it's people at work or it's your kids, we know what it's like to have lack of peace in relationships. And I'm going to walk through a couple examples to show you how heaven and the peace of heaven brings peace into our relationships. So the first one is whether this is with a, a spouse or a coworker or someone that you're kind of partnered with, right? You don't always see eye to eye. And it's hard to work through differences. It's hard when you're seeing things differently and understanding things differently, maybe even valuing things differently, and that can be a place of conflict. 
That can be a place of angst. And I read this wonderful book this summer called Crucial Conversations. And it's all about having hard conversations in loving ways. And I, I know I need a lot of help with that. I imagine there are lots of us who need a lot of help with that. Recommend the book. I don't know that it's a Christian author, but it's definitely biblical principles. It's so helpful. And in there, one of the things that they said, when you're in a place where you're not seeing eye to eye, where there's friction, where you're like locked, to take a step back and to find common ground. And then if you can find a shared goal or a shared hope, then that can give perspective to the problem at hand. When, when you are in a relationship with a believer, so if you're married and your spouse is a believer or your business partner is a believer or your roommate is a believer and y'all are gridlocked, take a step back and say, you know what? We both want heaven. We both want God's best. We both want that place of heaven where he's taking us. That's our deepest longing and our deepest desire. And that's the common ground that we have is that that is where we are going and what we are hoping for. And because we have that goal, we can know that, yeah, we might be seeing this from a little bit different perspective and we can work through that. But our larger goal for both of us is that we would pursue the things of the Lord and the peace that heaven brings. And it gives you shared ground. I'm not just telling you right now an idea from a book that I tried. I took the book. I tried it in probably 100 situations in the last several months. And I'm like, man, this is so powerful and helps work through hard conversations. If you're dating, if you're in a dating relationship and you're trying to think about, man, do I like this person? Do I click with this person? Are they the one? And you're going through all of your preferences. Well, I like sporty things and they don't. And I like to go to movies and they just like to, and you're going through all of that and it's just churning. It's just churning. And then there's always another option out there that you can just keep on swiping. And so you're thinking, well, maybe grass is greener on the other side. When you have the peace of heaven before you, when you're seeing heaven and meditating on heaven, you know that your ultimate goal is to be there. And so when you're thinking about dating, you're looking for a partner who's going to help you run that race. And it gets perspective that it's not all about what I feel and prefer and do we click and that, but it's like, man, who is someone that God has for me to be able to run that race because that's the most important race of my life. When Christina and I were dating, honestly, I thought she was beautiful. I like being around her, but my number one deal about marrying her was I was like, this is a girl who is going to help me run towards Jesus and run towards heaven all the days of my life. And we're in year 16, and that still proves to be true. And I just encourage you, if you're in a dating relationship, don't base it on preferences. Don't base it on kind of, I like this, you like that. Base it on, are we pursuing heaven? That's the type of partner that you're looking for. With your kids, right? There's so much chaos in parenting. And there's so many different opinions. Ellen and Oprah are saying this. Well, this book came out. My grandmother said this. This parent, well, they're doing this with their kids. And oh my goodness, there's just so many things you're trying to navigate. When we have heaven as our focus, when we know that's where we're going, we know the things that make for peace. And so what we have are timeless truths rather than just the confusion of our culture that we can parent from, that we can give our kids as a moral compass, things they can stand on that will not change or expire as the years change or expire. We give them firm footing. So parents, this will help you navigate your parenting because you'll know what is important and you'll know what makes for peace. 
And when a cultural fad comes along that says this is the way everyone should do, you can be like, well, actually, no. God's the author of life. This is what he's designed. This is the way we're going to go, even if no one else goes that way, right? And it helps you in your parenting. Oh, my goodness. I could go on for an hour. Relationships. Work. What a big bucket. What a big box. This is so important. And so many of you are leaders in the workplace. And if you're a leader, you know that it's not just about the work that you're doing, but it's about the culture that you're building. It's not just about the finished product. It's about the team. It's about the environment. It's about kind of everything that goes around that. And when you have heaven as your destination, and you know that in heaven is fullness of life and fullness of peace, you know the values that bring out life and peace in people. So on the teams that you're leading, with the groups that you're doing, you can say, hey, in addition to doing our job really well, we want to adopt these values. And you can have confidence in your leadership that these values will bring out the best in people because that's what God does. If I tell you my, my day job is the church, so you're like, of course, you're going to have godly values here. Okay, pastor. Uh, I'll try and give another example. I'm coaching my daughter's sixth grade basketball team. Sixth grade girls are not always known for having the, 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 you know, the culture of life, okay? <laughs> Youth sports with the other coaches and parents, not always known for having a culture that brings life, right? So we have our first practice, and I've got my list of all the things we're doing, time stamped. We're ready on our drills. I'm excited, and I'm like, man, I need to have more than just practice order. What are the values of our team? They're going to help each of these girls be who God's created them to be. Some of them know the Lord. Some of them don't. But I'm thinking about the values of heaven. And so the first practice, I'm like, okay, in addition to playing basketball, girls, we are going to be a team that honors one another because I know that heaven is a place of honor. And I didn't tell them that, but I said, we're going to be a place of honor. We're going to honor ourselves. We're going to honor our teammates. We're going to honor our coaches. We're going to honor the refs. We're going to honor the other team. And we're going to practice being honoring. And I can do that because I know that that's what brings forth life because I know what's in heaven, right? I said, we're going to be a team that works hard, okay? We're going we're to work hard because I know in heaven that there's work to do. We see that the people bring in the wealth of nations into the city, so we're going to work hard. But we're also going to have fun. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven, so I said, in addition to working hard, we have a value for having fun. So we're going to laugh, and we're going to enjoy playing basketball, and we're going to enjoy being together. And lastly, we're going to build relationships with one another because heaven is a place of relationship. And so we're not just here to play basketball. We're going to build friendships with one another, and we're going to take time to do that. I could go into that situation feeling not confident, but I was like, I know what brings forth life. Therefore, I can lead with confidence in something like a workplace. You can take these things and apply them in Christian and non-Christian settings because now you know the values that bring forth the best in people. Money. I'm running out of time. Money. Okay. Whew. Don't have to convince you that this steals our peace at times, right? When I realize that heaven is my destination and Jesus is my peace, and that he's leading me forward in wholeness, right? I realize that my value and my worth are not tied to my bank account. My security is not tied to how much or how little I have in the bank 
or when the next paycheck is coming, that I have a deeper security and I have a greater value because I know what God thinks about me and I know where God is taking me. And so I can address my budget and I can address the challenges and I can address the opportunities, but I can do so from a place of peace rather than a place of angst. Come on now. Yes, this is awesome. So you can see how when we look to heaven and we're mindful of heaven, that it gives us the resources that we need to navigate the challenges of today. Last story, I've been just so struck by this pastor named Richard Baxter, who is in the 17th century in Britain, and he dealt with a lot of chronic health problems. Just sick all the time, in pain all the time, suffering all of the time. And it was so bad, and he just struggled so much And then he had this resolve. He said, you know what? I am going, I need something to help me in my pain. I am going to meditate on heaven because I know that there's no pain there. And I know that's where I'm going. So he set out to meditate on heaven, get this 30 minutes a day. Wow. And from that place of meditating on heaven, he found the resources that he needed to be really fruitful, amazingly fruitful in his life even though he was dealing with some significant challenges. I want to challenge you as you go forward today, not to meditate on heaven 30 minutes. Maybe that's for some of you. But I just think we have an opportunity. The Lord wants to help you and me in the challenges that we're going to face this week. And if we'll take him up on that help, and we'll take time to look for and long for Christ's return in heaven we'll be able to access resources that God wants to give us to navigate the issues of our lives. Okay, I want to invite you to stand as we close. We're going to close by taking communion just as a way to go to God together. But before we do that, I realize that you might be here today and you're like, man, on these boxes over here, I'm not really sure what my destination is. I'm not really sure where I'm going. I don't know that I know Jesus. I don't know the peace that you're talking about that comes through knowing Christ. Well, you're in the right place. I want to give you an opportunity today to get to know Jesus, to put your trust in him, to commit to following him, and to take that step, that life-changing step that will lead you into the presence of the person who is peace, Jesus Christ himself. As you look around the world, it's very easy to tell that our world is a broken place. When you look within, it's very easy to tell that we're broken people. But Jesus teaches us that the world was not always this way, right? That God created the world. He created mankind. He created everything in it. And he created this world to be a place of peace, to be a place of beauty, to be a place of life. So you're like, well, how do we get from that beauty and life to the death that we experience so often in this world? Right? Mankind, we turned, Adam and Eve, we turned from God. We said, hey, we don't want you to be our king. We don't want you to be our creator. We don't want to do life on your terms. We want to kind of take things into our own hands. It's what the Bible calls sin. When they made that choice, it broke peace because they chose to go against their creator and try and just make life happen on their own. And that's why we see the world around us. But God loved us so much that he didn't leave us there that he came in Jesus, and Jesus is God. He came, he lived a perfect life, lived according to God's design, and he died on a cross for your sin and your brokenness 
and mine to be forgiven and to be healed. And when he rose again from the dead, he made a way for you and I to be restored back to God's perfect design and to know that heaven is in our future. And the way we begin to receive that restoration is by repenting from going our own way and saying, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to follow you. And as we do that, something beautiful happens in our heart. New life springs up in our heart as we begin to grow towards God's perfect design. And Jesus commissions us to go back into a broken world to help others experience restoration as well. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never made that step of repenting and believing and say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow him. I don't want him as my co-pilot. I want him as my pilot type deal. I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to raise your hand, and we're going to pray. We're going to have every head bowed and eye closed so that it's a private moment. And if you're here today and you maybe made that decision a long time ago, but you've fallen away, these things have taken you off track, and you're trying to make your way back to God. I want you to know that God is not waiting for you to get your act cleaned up, but he is coming for you as a loving father and wants to bring you home. So if I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes for just a moment. And if you know Jesus, I would encourage you to pray in this moment for our friends here today that don't know him. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I need to know Jesus. I, I want to follow him. Or I want to recommit my life to him. I just want to invite you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up on stage. I'm not going to put your name on a billboard. I just want to say a short prayer as a church. And so if that's you, if you'd raise your hand, if you want to recommit your life or you want to commit to following him. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, if you would join in me, uh, join with me in this prayer. Uh, church, this is a great one to pray as well. I'd love for you to jump in. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you are peace. Jesus, you are hope. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for rising again to restore me to God. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. It's beautiful. Okay, the officiants are going to come forward with the elements for communion. When you're ready, you can come forward, take of the bread, take of the cup, return to your seat, and reflect on the peace that is Jesus and the peace that awaits us in heaven. If more. 
desires and dreams I lit up. Here at your feet, my desires and dreams I lit up.